Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast with John O'Leary. John is the number one national best-selling author of the book On Fire. He's a world-class inspirational speaker, and he's the host of the Live Inspired Podcast. John interviews extraordinary individuals on their life story so that you can wake up from accidental living and more fully live your life story. Here's your host, John O'Leary. Well, hello, my friends. This is John O'Leary, and I'm so happy to have you here joining me in the Live Inspired movement. On every Live Inspired podcast episode, we have amazing guests join us to share their story, their lessons, their mistakes, what they are doing about it, and what it ultimately means for each one of us. We do have some pretty remarkable guests on this show, no doubt about it. But more than them, the reason they come on, the reason we invite them to join us is because their lives point in the direction that we can follow. Uh, You know, success leaves a blueprint. And in following their model, I think we can become even more successful in whatever that word means in each of our lives. My friends, recently my wife and I had the opportunity to have dinner with 10 friends so it's a, it's a celebration, and one of the things we did while the food was being served and the wine was being poured and the fellowship was being had was we went around the table, and every single person at this table shared the story of one individual in their life who made a profound difference in their journey. The story of coaches or pastors or parents or grandparents or a sibling or a spouse, one person by the end of the night, there had been lots of laughter, a few uh, a few glasses of wine may have been drunk, a lot of tears, a lot of joy, a lot of life was shared. And, and when we got home that night, I remember telling my wife, Beth, I cannot believe we get to hang out with friends like this. I, I just can't believe we're lucky enough and blessed enough to have ladies and gentlemen that we do life with, that we get to share not only our stories, but to experience and hear theirs. In planning for today's podcast, that's kind of how I'm feeling. No, not so much about these friends of mine in our own community here in St. Louis, Missouri, but the friends that I have been fortunate enough to have invited onto our podcast to share their lessons, their life, their mistakes, what it meant to them, and ultimately what it means to each one of us. So today, I don't bring you a new friend. Instead, I'm going to remind you of some of the previous guests that we've had on this show, a little recap on their journey, and then invite you, if you haven't yet checked them out, if you haven't yet checked out that episode, or if you did, but it was weeks ago and you forgot what it really meant, you may want to check it out again because all of these guests today are worth it. So my friends, here we go. I want you to buckle up. Open up your hearts, open up your minds, open up those journals that I know are gathered in front of you right now. Grab that pen, take the lid off as we start talking about the previous guest from season five on the Live Inspired podcast. Here we go. The season kicked off with Ernest with a new friend named Sally Hogshead. Sally typically shares her expertise on branding and how to fascinate with major brands and teams like Nike or Ikea or Target, to name drop a few. But on season five, episode 45, she shared with us so that we can identify our best qualities and those best qualities that also are part of our businesses or schools or hospitals so that we can connect with others and inspire those around us and ourselves to lead even more inspired lives. I'm an author of the book named Fascinate, 
and how the world sees you. And I've spent my career understanding what are the qualities in your personality that people are intensely attracted to, what makes you most impressive, most influential, so that when you're talking with somebody, they're more likely to listen, to remember, to take action on what you say. I speak on the topic, I, I live it throughout my life, and I'm, I'm so excited to be talking with you about it today, because John, I think you are fascinating. She even shared with us a fascination quiz that we can take and learn what attributes we have in order to better understand who we are and how we show up. It, it was a phenomenal episode, but she also told this intimate story that I don't think she shares very frequently about her father. A, a line from the podcast that gathered my heart and thoughts was this, my dad gave me life, and 10 years later, he gave it back to me. You'll want to understand more about that quote, what she meant, and what it means to each of us. It's a profound story from a phenomenal lady who shared with us what she learned about fascination growing up, what it means to each of us today, and how it can impact those around us. So season began with episode 45, Sally Hogshead, and then shifted gears into an incredibly personal story. A gentleman named Dennis Gillen joined us. Ooh, man. September, turns out, is Suicide Awareness Month, and Dennis came in to talk about suicide awareness with each of us. It, it's, it's something that I hear in the back of the room after almost every speech that I have ever given. Someone will come up they will hug me tight and they will say to me, John, my story is not really all that much like yours, but this is what happened. And then they'll tell the story of a father who took his own life or a sibling who tried or a spouse who is depressed or something like this going on in their own life and how they are quietly dealing with this. Well, Dennis came in with a bullhorn and told us how he is loudly dealing with this. After the loss of one of his brothers when he was in college to depression and then suicide, Dennis lost a brother, his older brother, which is tragic enough. And we, we talked about that story. And then almost a decade later, the unheard of happened when Dennis gets a second phone call acknowledging and accepting and uh, explaining to him that another one of his brothers had chosen to take his own life. Dennis wants us to bring into the light what has too frequently been in the shadows of the dark. It was one of the most emotional and yet joy-filled, humorous in some regards, episodes that we've ever had from a man who has been to the darkest places and yet through that has come back out and has shown us how we can not only live in the light, but how we can bring into the light those things that normally we don't want to talk about. Dennis talks about how suicide is normally downstream, and he wants to talk about upstream. He wants to talk about the things that are going on uh, that lead to it, how we can bring this into the light. The minute we let down our facade and we just say, you know what, life is hard, and this is what I'm going through, you will be amazed. When I finally came out and t started talking about my brothers and the deaths, and I hid it for a while, I yeah. hid it for a long time, when I finally started talking about it, I am amazed, amazed at the, the deeper relationships I have with people and the people that have come out of the woodwork to tell me their story, and we all have them, uh, their story of sorrow. When we, we share our joy, it's a double joy. When we share our sorrow, it's half a sorrow. Hmm. It's an old Swedish proverb. It took me 50 years to hear that, but it's so true. And we stink on ice at sharing our sorrows.
We're terrible at it. We need to get better at it. You'd be amazed what happens the minute you just show you're vulnerable, and then people will go, you know what, me too. And it's 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 been a really uh, this healing process after sitting on my hands for close to 18, 20 years. My healing has accelerated. But he also shared the story of coming home after being gone for nine days uh, at the second brother's funeral as the family is trying to deal and cope and grieve their way through this and how on his drive home, the one thing that he just kept thinking about, it was breaking his heart in addition to losing his second brother, in addition to all the other things going on in his own life and being away from home and work and struggling financially, he realized when I pull in the driveway, I'm going to have to cut my own grass. It's that time of year where the grass is growing quickly. It's been nine days. It's been four days before I cut it the first time. It's now two weeks in. The grass is going to be overgrown. I have so many things. I'm completely overwhelmed. This is all in his mind as he pulls down the street toward his house into the driveway. And the very first thing he sees, and I get emotional every time I talk about it, is the fact that his grass has been nicely trimmed, not only cut haphazardly the way I might cut my grass at home, but someone weed whacked it. Someone took the time to blow off the driveway and blow off the the walkway toward the front door. There were fresh flowers on the door and there was a cooler with a meal in it, not beer, but a meal so that when this young family, this young, this young couple came home from this funeral, that they would come home to a warm meal. They would come home to a clean house. They would come home to a perfectly manicured yard. And Dennis talked about how the little thing made a profound difference. My friends, this is true when we are grieving a lost sibling, but it's also true when we are going through life. It ensures that as we deal with some darkness in life, that we are able to navigate back into the light. It is an incredible episode. You're going to love it. Check it out now. Dennis Gillen, episode 46. If you don't have it in front of you, have it afterwards, my friends. You're going you're gonna to love Dennis. You're going to love him. You're going to love his heart and his humor. Dennis led us to another guy that I fell in love with. I hadn't heard anything yet about Daniel Silverstein. And yet after this time with Daniel, I'll never forget his energy his enthusiasm. He was, in some regards, an atypical guest, but he is the kind of guy that I want to spend a lot more of my time with, not only on the Live Inspired podcast, but hanging out with in life. Daniel grew up in Pennsylvania. He's a normal little kid. Uh, He sees life, though, through a very different lens than other children. And rather than being shielded from this and told that he is different and, and wrong, in that difference. It was embraced. It was embraced by his family. It was embraced by the mothers of other kids in his class. It was embraced by the fact that Daniel, as a young boy, wasn't into baseball or soccer or football. He was into fashion. He, he loved fashion. He loved fashion design, and it started early. It started with aluminum foil and little dolls. He loved dressing them up. But it moved on from that as his grandmother used to bring home little little bits of clothing from the store and allow him to make outfits. And Daniel has been making outfits ever since. He has launched Ford on a successful career. And yet he realized his ultimate goal in life is not, not to allow the upper class to dress even more fashionably because that's what he used to do, but to make a profound difference in the way the entire fashion industry is run. So I started my company, Zero Waste Daniel, about two years ago, um, and I started it based on this idea that 
on every single piece of clothing that everyone wears, a factory made that somewhere. And that factory had to cut out a sheet of fabric to make that piece of clothing. And all the leftovers that they didn't use typically end up in a landfill. And when I became aware of this problem, I started working towards a solution so we could all have clothes that are a little less wasteful. He saw before him, day after day after day, as a successful fashion leader, how much waste was going on, how all this this clothing, all this raw material would drop to the floor and be swept toward the dumpster. And Daniel realized that, that there's a better way. There's a better way. And so he changed the way he saw those scraps. He started using those scraps to create art, art that people could wear, art that not only allowed men and women, boys and girls to look their best, but art that allowed ladies and gentlemen in New York and beyond to have gainful employment where they were paid a livable wage for the work they created, which is actually a big deal in fashion because most people aren't able to make a living wage. But Daniel's able to allow them to make a living wage. And more than that, he has reduced the amount of waste that is produced to almost nothing. He's called Zero Waste Daniel. It's an incredible story. He talks in in our episode about needs versus wants. And also this question that he's been asking himself his entire life. Why not me? Why not me? It's led him to a completely different place in fashion. But my friends, as you hear Daniel's story, you're going to realize it's not just about fashion. It's a question each one of us can ask in our relationships. Why, why not me? Why not have an awesome relationship with my spouse or partner? Why not act differently than everybody else around me? Why not do something when everybody else is running one direction? Why not act completely differently and swim upstream? Why not me? Why not me? This needs to change, and I can help you make the change. It's a quote from Daniel. You're going to want to grab onto it. You're going to want to grab onto his heart. You're probably going to want to grab onto some of his newly designed T-shirts and fashion attire. Check it out all at episode 47 with my new friend, Daniel. You're going to love Zero Waste Daniel. Then we moved on from Daniel into a new area that I was even more familiar with because I knew this guy. I'm curious, though. Have you ever read or heard a person speak, read their book, uh, seen a celebrity on a a movie or whatever it may be, and then you meet the actual person, kind of a hero of yours, an athlete, Hollywood actress, and after meeting her, you were very disappointed? Ever happened to you? You're completely disappointed? Uh, That happens to me on occasion as I globe trot around the world. And yet in Denver, Colorado, four years ago, I went to a Colorado's Rocky game. I I spoke to the Rockies organization earlier in that day and then was able to invite friends from Denver into the president's suite. And one of the friends I reached out to was a guy, Mark Sanborn. I'd never met Mark, but I loved one of his books. It's called The Fred Factor. So I said to him, hey, Mark, it's John. I'm a speaker. I'm a writer. And listen, man, if you, if you are in town tonight, join me at the Colorado Rockies game. He accepted the invitation. He joined me, and we had the time of our lives together. He, he was ordinary, and I mean that as a compliment. He was extraordinary in the way he encouraged those around him. And I always knew when I start a podcast, he's one of the first guys I want to have on. And so for episode 48, I was able to bring on my friend and a guy that I look up to as a role model, the name Mark Sanborn. He shared some incredible takeaways in our time together. I'm going to share with you, though, five quotes. 
five quotes. If you love quotes, write these ones down. There is a massive difference between fame and greatness. And then Mark unpacked what that meant, how the majority of the world today races toward fame, but he and others like him encouraged them instead to pursue greatness. Awesome. He also said good leaders make heroes of others. Good leaders, parents, good sales leaders, good consultants, good business owners, good nurses, good janitors, good doctors, good all of us, good podcast hosts. They make heroes of others. It's important to remember that as well. Just three more. We are responsible for living in a way that shows other who they truly are and what they truly believe. I'm going to say this one more time. We are responsible for living in a way that shows others who we truly are and what we truly believe. That's awesome. It's not the job you have. It's how you do your job. This is important, again, whether we are CEOs, custodians, frontline nurses, educators, staying home with the kids, in retirement, whatever the role may be. No one's really all that worried about your job title, to be honest with you. You may be, but no one else really is. So here it is one more time. It's not the job that you have. It's how you do that job that matters. Right on. And then finally, the test of great leadership is always, is anything or anyone better because of you? Well, what that means is don't confuse ambition with leadership. You know, I got nothing against ambition. I'm a capitalist, and I think as long as it's legal and ethical and moral, ambition's a wonderful thing. But if what you do only improves your life, you haven't really led anything. It's when the leader's efforts benefit the greater good that I think leadership becomes reality. Now, it's, it's often a win-win. You know, you can be more successful when you help your team be more successful. Or as my pal Larry Winget says, you know, you will succeed when you are of greater and larger service in helping others get what they need and succeed. Mm. But leadership is always about making things better. Managers maintain, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but if you look up the root word to management, it literally means to maintain. And maintain, maintenance is different than growth. You know, leaders help people become better than they were. Leaders help organizations achieve new things they didn't achieve before. And that, to me, is the real test of leadership. This is also true, my friends, not only in how we show up at work, but how we show up at home, at the dinner table, in the boardroom, in the bedroom, in the living room, in the Starbucks, where we speak to baristas, anywhere in life. Are people and things better because of you? It's a worthy challenge to grab onto. I said earlier, Mark wrote several great books. One of them is The Fred Factor. Um, You want to hang out with me as I interview the legendary speaker and author, Mark Sanborn. You're going to love him. Uh, My friends, join us in episode 48 and get ready to transform challenges into your inspired life. Mark is going to lead us directly into episode 49, where we get to hang out with a new friend of mine, Dina Dwyer Owens. I want to tell you a little bit of the backstory of Dina. I met her through another friend, a guy named Rory Vaden. Rory is an incredible guy. Rory was a guest, I believe, in season two. You want to check out Rory Vaden, go for it. You're going to love Rory Vaden's story. But Vaden said to me once, hey, O'Leary, if you want to have a rock star on your program, invite my buddy Dina Dwyer Owens on. Dina is a leader of a large business. Dina is driving for it. Profit and loss, she's 
helping to gainfully employ people all around the country and all around the world. And yet she has this remarkable, humble heart with which she does it. When she talks about her life, she always talks about her mom first. She talks about that upbringing. She talks about her dad, all the things that she learned about her dad, how it's led her to where she is today. We talked a little bit about undercover boss. I mean, her, her business is so big, to put it in perspective, that she was on that show. It's a great episode, by the way, where you see her, you see her learning how to cut the grass. You, you see her doing some very difficult work that many of us take for granted when we drive by in air-conditioned cars with lattes in the cup holder. Well, Dina left the C-suite, hopped on the lawnmower, and realized one more time what it's like to do this type of work. It, it, I think in some regards, it humbled her. It made her grateful for the folks that do this for her organization. It's an incredible story that you're going to love. She is all in in her life. She is co-chairman of the Dwyer Group, has more than 3,000 franchisees across North America. She appeared, like I said, in the CBS hit Undercover Boss. She runs her business by focusing on mission, on her clients, on her employees, and on a clear value system. The Dwyer Group has always had a code of values that was founded by by Don. And Don made sure we were held accountable to those values, right? And we were a smaller company. And when he passed away in 1994, uh, one of our biggest challenges um, as a leadership team was how do we keep this culture special that Don created via the values. The values were the foundation for success. So we took his original values, which were things like we must re-earn our positions every day in every way, and we operationalize them. So we, we put them into the acronym of living rich at Dwyer, and the rich stands for respect, integrity, customer focus, and having fun in the process. This approach, by the way, allowed her to not only have a successful business, but I think when we pay attention, it will allow us to have truly significant and successful lives. You're going to want to check out episode 49 to learn how to apply this process, this focus into your life so that you can live and that you can work inspired too. It led, by the way, into episode 50 with my friend Kurt Steinhorst. Did you know and if you did not, you'll know this not only by the time I share the facts with you right here, but also by the time you check out Kurt Steinhorst. Did you know that every six minutes, people check their phones? Did you know that married adults spend more time online than they do with their spouse? I don't mean during the course of a day. I mean when they are home. When they are home, they spend more time staring down at the screen than they do staring into the heart and into the eyes of their partner or spouse. This is huge. And finally, did you know that people spend anywhere between one and four hours loafing on the internet every day, not at home, but at work? During our days, we spend anywhere between one and four hours loafing online, just kind of breezing through various websites. Facebook, in fact, the most popular time for Facebook to be viewed is in the early part of the afternoon, when the majority of us are at work, just to be aware of this. So, wow, it seems like an easy problem to identify, but what do we do with these problems? How do we refocus on what actually matters? And that's why we brought in my buddy, Kurt Steinhorst. He joined us for episode 50 to talk about solutions so that you can live inspired in this tech-centered world that we all live, work, and play in. It's not a question of always or nothing. It's a question of whether we're being intentional and proactive or whether we're allowing the world to dictate what gets our attention. Mm. You know, is our inbox going to be the thing, which is a, a to-do list dictated by other people? Is 
um, is our base wirings of on Facebook, which gives us a level of connectivity but lets us avoid deep relationships. Are we going to let these things actually – are we going to actually let them drive us? And, and that's the thing that we have to start saying is, no, I'm going to be among the few. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be among those that equip myself to be realistic, intentional, and proactive in my decisions. Kurt just released his new book, Can I Have Your Attention? Can I Have Your Attention? It is not only an incredible book to check out, but Kurt speaks matter-of-factly about the challenges we face and the opportunities we have to harness the gift of our technology, that we own the phone, that we own the laptop, that we own this space, and that it does not own us. If you ever feel like you are being inundated by messaging, by tweeting, by beeping, by screen time, by instant messaging, by everything else, take a break for a moment and check out this episode with Kurt Steinhorst. You're going you're gonna to love it. And if you apply what he teaches, and I have, by the way, my wife has as well, it's going to change the way you go about work and it's going to change the way you go about life. Episode 50, it's worthy. Episode 50 was then followed by episode 51. Are you seeing how these run sequentially? Like 49 leads to 50, 50 leads to 51. Now we're at 51, baby. And we brought into your life someone who is incredibly inspiring. Her name, Edie Littlefield Sunby. She was diagnosed with cancer. She has been radiated. She has endured chemotherapy. She has lost a lung. She is still sick with cancer. And she made a decision I am not going to die lying down on my back. I'd rather die moving forward into life. I needed to heal, but I needed to heal more than physically. But physically was, of course, at the very top of the list. But I needed to heal emotionally. I needed to heal spiritually. And so um, uh, these these old mission bells line the, our roads here in California, reminding us of our cultural heritage and the mission trail. And so I decided at, when Stanford Cancer Center removed my right lung, I had this wild, crazy notion that I wanted it was I wanted a walk of thanksgiving, a walk of gratitude, a walk of joy, and I wanted to light candles. Although I'm not Catholic, I wanted to light ca- <laughs> candles and, and 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 blessings and prayers at all of these 21 old California Spanish missions that starts in San Diego. So uh, on a cold, rainy day in February of 2013, John, I started out in Mission San Diego, and it took me 55 days of walking. I was gone 58 days, so I took three days off. But it took me 55 days of walking, and I walked on average 15 miles a day. Wow. And in less than two months, I had walked 800 miles to north of San Francisco to all the 21 missions up the coast, over the mountains, to the valleys, and back again, like a ladder up the coast of California. Step by step, she journeyed forward. She took this walk, and she continues to teach the rest of us how to become mission walkers in life. It's an inc- it is honestly one of the most remarkable stories from one of the most amazing guests and ladies I've ever had the pleasure of sitting across from. You're going to love Edie's spirit, she's going to inspire you to do the impossible, to put the left foot in front of the right, the left foot in front of the right, to keep moving forward into life. 
to realize that what you're going through right now is not the end of the story, to go for a walk and to come back renewed. It's it's awesome. Check it out. Edie Littlefield Sunby, episode 51. And then learn more about gratitude, about endurance, about gifting, about love when we tune into episode 52 with John. I call it the gratitude muscle. I think all of us are born with it. Some are bigger than others naturally. But I think that... You know, the, you know, my love language isn't gifting, ironically enough. It's, it's words of affirmation. But when I'm, and I'm actually naturally an introvert, but when I give you a gift, you have to respond. And oftentimes it's with positive words of affirmation and it, and it starts a connection with people. And so I saw that in Paul. And so I think that um, um, I worked my, I've worked over the last 17, 18 years on that gratitude muscle every day, thinking about how can I show gratitude and appreciation. And so I've gotten pretty you know, darn good at giving great gifts, even though that's not my natural, that's not what I grew up seeing was mm-hmm. amazing gifting. That's just not what we're around. Are you sowing seeds, he asks, for 50-year relationships? Or are you sowing seeds for five-minute transactions? It's how we can view the way we interact with those uh, in the, the coffee shops, in the back of the places where we worship, in the, the, the carpool line, in our homes, in our places of work, with our vendors, with our employees, with our patients, with our clients. Are we sowing seeds that are going to last 50 years like oak trees or seeds that will be cut down five minutes later? Our guest for episode 52 will help you better understand this question and the importance of how you answer it. He was working his way through college when John Rulin met a mentor who shaped the trajectory of his life. In the foundation for success in his mentor's relationship, in his businesses and his life, was generosity. It was kindness to those around us. It was giving more than you could ever expect to collect from those around him. Today, 15 years later, John Rulin teaches generosity as a competitive advantage in business for clients like NASCAR and the Miami Dolphins and is the author of Giftology. With the holiday season around the corner, join me as John Rulin takes us through these lessons on how to give gifts, not only during the holidays that people might expect, but to give gifts that are transformative year-round. It's not about how much you spend sometimes. It's about the thought of meeting people with gifts that will turn them on for the great limitless possibility in their lives. You're going to love John. You're going to love the stories he shares. You're going to love the lessons he teaches, and you're going to love your life and the possibility within it even more when you listen to episode 52 with John Rulin, and it's going to lead you down the path quickly. We only have two more during this season. Episode 53 with one of the heroes of my childhood, Cardinal Baseball Hall of Fame shortstop. Number one is what he wore, and his name is Ozzie Smith. Meeting Ozzie Smith for me 30 years ago for John O'Leary Day at the ballpark was the highlight of the evening. Jack Bach, my hero, pushes me in, in my little wheelchair. I met a couple players. Terry Pendleton was number one on the right. Then Willie McGee was number two. And then I met him. The shortstop himself, uh, gentle beard, a smile on his face, a twinkle in his eye, Ozzie Smith. Ozzie was generous to me as a nine-year-old. He was the first baseball that I received as I learned how to ride again. And he has been generous to me and to our community for the 30 years since. He shares what it took 
to make it out of high school, what it took to make it onto a team in college, what it took to make it into the minor leagues, professional ball, a major league career, a Hall of Fame career, and now a Hall of Fame life. I think it's it, it's the, when you have to really worry about is when they don't do it. You know, that means that, hey, you know, your, your time is up and, and maybe you didn't do enough to, to have an impact on, on people's lives. I think it's an honor when people mm. come up to you and they remind you. I still to this day, and I've been out now longer than I played, still have people come up to me now and thank me for some of the best times of their lives. Yes. You know, and what a blessing that is to be able to be in a business where you create memories that last a lifetime. And so I've always looked at myself as being one of the very fortunate, very lucky ones, very blessed ones to have had the opportunity to do what I love to do and touch people's lives sometimes just by saying hi. Yes, no doubt. Just by being able to say hi to someone. It's an incredible episode where Ozzy doesn't brag about himself, but instead he brags on those who came before him, what they taught him and what it means for us. You're going to love episode 53 with my hero, my friend, and soon to be yours, Ozzy Smith. Check it out. And then finally, we brought on a true Hall of Famer, not in the sport realm, but as an author and as a leader and as an example in life, his name, Richard Bach. My friends, you may have read The Great Gatsby growing up. You may have read The World According to Garp. You may have read The Catcher in the Rye. But I bet one of the books you also may have read back in the day was a little short story called Jonathan Siegel. There's one line in Jonathan Siegel, and it's something like, uh, you have the freedom to be yourself, your true self, here and now. And nothing can stand in your way. And that, even when I think about that, that touches me. Nothing can stand in the way of becoming who I really am. It's a book that came from this guy's heart, this man's mind, this man's spirituality. It was a vision that came to him. He tried repeatedly to get this baby published and rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter came back into his life. On the final rejection letter, he'd given up hope. And on that same day that his agent in New York said, Richard, there's just no hope for this book. On the exact same day, he received a letter from another person saying, Richard, I see hope within this book. I see possibility. We'd like the honor of publishing 5,000 of your books. Richard was overwhelmed. 5,000 books. Yes, indeed, I accept. It went on to become a New York Times bestseller over the next two years, and it has been selling like crazy over the last almost 50 years since. Richard Bach, on this interview that we have the honor of spending time with him, shares the stories that he learned growing up, shares the story of being a young author, shares the story of of struggling in relationships, of of dealing with adversity in life, of getting books published, of having books fail, and ultimately understanding what real success looks like. It's one of my favorite episodes because I feel like when I was sitting across from Richard, sharing our hearts with one another, that I was sitting across not only from a mentor and a great author and a, a successful guy, 
but almost like a grandfather, a guy who has been there and done that and failed and learned the lessons and has grown in wisdom in life. It's such a touching episode. You're going to hear his heart. You're going to hear his spirit, and you're going to love it. You're going to want to do your life. You're going to want to soar uh, like the seagull even higher afterwards. So if you haven't yet missed, if you haven't yet checked it out, do it now. Check out episode 54 with New York Times bestselling author and an iconic character in American literature, Richard Bach. My friends, it was quiet, quiet a conversation that we've had with these guests over the last few episodes. Recap 5 summarizes these episodes quickly, but if you want to take a deeper dive into any of them, I just invite you, go back through the library. The archive is available at johnolearyinspires.com. Again, johnolearyinspires.com. It's where we keep not only all of our old podcasts, check them out, but it's also where we keep our blog. It's where we keep our vlog. It's where you can learn more about the book On Fire. And finally, you can learn more about joining us in our community. Yes, I have a community of active listeners. You may want to check that out. It's called Studio. And you can also learn about John O'Leary, the presenter. It's primarily what we do these days. I travel around the country and travel around the world as a presenter. If you've never heard the story live, it's worthy. It is awesome. And you're going to want to check it out or, or bring it into your organization or your association at some point. You can learn more about all this and much, much, much more at JohnO'LearyInspires.com. I mentioned on the front side of our season recap that a few weeks ago, my wife and I had the honor of spending an evening with fellowship, with a little bit of wine, with a little bit of food, sharing, wow, how fortunate we are to have friends like this. And what I recognize now is not only how cool it is to bring in guests like we had for season five, but I'm aware of this. You could be tuning into other podcasts. You could be doing other things with your time and you chose and you choose to invest it with me. I view this as a friendship. I am grateful for your heart, my friends. I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your belief and I'm grateful for your conviction that in spite of what the media keeps pushing our way, 93% of media is negative. We push forward positive news. Not easy. It's not always fun. Sometimes it's painful, but we push forward lessons of life and possibility and light and the truth that the best is yet to come. I could think of no one that I love sharing these lessons with than with you, my friend. So thank you for joining me at this dinner party of life. I'm looking forward to being with you the next time. So for this time, the season recap of season five, and until next time, this is John O'Leary, and today is your day live inspired.